This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, October 10th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, County considers Down Valley Connector Trail, celebrating Telluride's Volunteers of the Year, the Color of Care tackles health inequity, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, San Miguel County Search and Rescue responded to two incidents over the weekend. On Saturday, first responders responded to an incident at Hope Lake. A 28-year-old Cortez woman sustained a lower leg injury from a fall while hiking in the Poverty Gulch area. The San Miguel County Sheriff's Office used its helicopter to bring search and rescue personnel to the area where they hiked to the woman and carried her back to the helicopter in a litter. According to San Miguel County Sheriff officials, the woman and her companion were brought to their vehicle and were seeking medical care on their own. Also on Saturday, a 49-year-old woman injured her lower leg in the Bridal Veil Falls area. San Miguel County Sheriff deputies and Telluride Fire Protection District EMS responded to the woman and brought her to safety. A trail connecting Telluride to the county park down Valley could become a reality. The purpose of this is to provide an overall um, link. Uh, it's uh, between the down Valley communities and uh, town of Telluride. That's Janet Cask, director of parks and open space for San Miguel County, speaking at a community meeting about the trail last week. This is uh, to benefit the residents of down Valley and the satellite communities. Um, You know, this is more geared towards providing safe passage for pedestrians and cyclists um, as an alternative route to utilizing Highway 145. Cask notes the county received a grant from the Colorado Department of Transportation to help fund a feasibility study on whether the trail is even a possibility. It's a feasibility study. We don't know how this is going to end up. Uh, This trail might be doable. Um, Maybe it isn't, but it's just something that's been discussed for years. So we felt it was time to conduct the feasibility study and... uh, See if it's possible. Scott Bullinger works with OTAC, the design firm working with the county on the project. He notes the new trail build would extend about three miles. So on the west end, it begins at Don Valley Park and then will extend to the east end at the existing M59 trail. He adds the CDOT grant is for multimodal options. So that's intended to to serve both both. Um, transportation and recreation. So we're not talking about single track. We're not talking about backcountry trails. We're talking about uh, something that can serve as both recreation and transportation and that is ADA accessible or you know accessible to all ability levels. Bullinger says that means they're looking at a path that would be eight feet in width wherever possible. A surface that will be firm, smooth, and stable which in most cases, if we're close to the road, it will likely be paved. When the trail is close to the highway, he notes there will likely be a need for safety barriers. According to Bullinger, the trail on the whole should be able to stay on CDOT or Bureau of Land Management land. And then in a few cases, we'll be looking to work with property owners uh, in areas where the right-of-way is tight. Uh, We may be interested in finding people that are willing to partner with the project and give a, a, a easement to cross through those narrow spots to make it better to in places where it's uh, where the right-of-way is more challenging. 
for the majority of the proposed trail. It runs along the north side of the river, next to the road, with several locations where the trail would cross over the river. On the whole, those in attendance at the meeting were in support of the trail existing, but have concerns about what it would look like. Steve Keen lives along what would be the trail. I am adverse to the scope of the the build. Um, I think the idea of concrete, eight to 10 feet wide, all the guardrails, all the infrastructure that goes into that is a waste of resources, both money and material, because it's just out of place. It's unnecessary and it's wasteful. Jeff Bleeker also lives along the trail route and shares keen sentiments about the aesthetics of the trail. When I first envisioned this, not knowing anything more, I just envisioned, you know, maybe a six or eight foot at the most wide, hard dirt trail, hard packed dirt trail. I, I didn't actually ever envision that you were going to be putting up so, something so substantial. I don't think it would fit in with the scope of the environment out there. And I think by just doing something much less onerous, it would look better, it would fit in with the surroundings. And I think probably 90 plus percent of the people that would use it would be very happy with it. Bullinger hears the concerns, noting funding requiring American with Disabilities Act compliance put certain qualifications on the project. Getting around ADA requirements is can be tricky and you know we can would have to discuss how how we do that if we do that. But uh, I I don't think that we we don't disagree with with the interest of keeping this more rustic and and not not uh, necessarily wanting pavement, but it's it really comes down to what can we uh, build that is maintainable and accessible over time. Bullinger says they're planning to wrap up the feasibility study in January 2023. The county has not budgeted funding for a final design or construction of the project if it decides to move forward. Claudia Garcia-Curcio, Julia Milan-Avila, and Andres Jacinto Alonso make the Telluride region better. And now they're getting the recognition they deserve. It's about time. Is what I what I think. I think I have to recognize a lot of the people that have been doing this work way before I have, um, like Carla and Jimena and a lot of folks that are in the Latino community, Latinx community, that have been doing this work. And I think our population and our Latino community has been here for a very long time. And I think it's very fitting that we get recognized for the work and the volunteer work that we do and are currently doing it in our job. And so for me, it's like... Finally, you know, after COVID, we're kind of seen. That's Garcia Curcio. The three were recently named the Telluride Foundation's Volunteers of the Year for their, quote, exceptional leadership in the community and advocacy for the Latino community. Milan Avila works with Tri-County Health Network's Communities That Care Coalition, and this year she started the first women's Hispanic Latina softball team. Jacinto Alonso started volunteering during the pandemic to support the Latino and troop community and continues to work with San Miguel County Public Health, the Collaborative Action for Immigrants, and San Miguel's Behavioral Health Panel Solution. Finally, Garcia Curcio. Outside of her work at the Wilkinson Public Library, she serves on a variety of boards and commissions to advocate for the Latinx community. She serves on the Commission for Community Assistance, Arts, and Special Events, Communities That Care, Progressive Women's Caucus, the San Miguel Resource Center, and is a founding member of the Collaborative Action for Immigrants. 
She says advocating for the community has been a part of her life since childhood, starting with her family. You know, I moved to the United States when I was six years old. And so for me is being my parents' translator and interpreter. So I started advocating and kind of supporting in in our in my my family. My mom would always be like, oh, Claudia, le puedes hablar a mi jefe? No entiendo lo que me dice. So it's very like something that I grew, grew up doing. And I think as an immigrant child, we all do that. And so it comes very easy to us when we move to a town like this and you see kind of there's not there's no equity, the underrepresented population isn't being heard. And I don't ever want to say like I'm the voice of it, but there has to be a point in your life that you have to stand up for injustice and be like, I disagree with this. Garcia Curcio, along with Milan Avila and Jacinto Alonso, are trying to shift the culture of the Telluride community. We see all these activities that happen in our community, but we don't see the Latino community being involved in it. And I always, you know, found it to be kind of strange. And, you know, folks would ask me, like, why don't you ski? Why don't you do this? It's not very welcoming. It's a very hard sport Regardless of it could be hockey, it could be softball, it could be skied, whatever that looks like, there's different barriers and there's intersectionalities of people's identities that does not allow you access to that. And if you see community members doing it, but there's a lack of it and 30% of a population is Spanish speaking, why don't we, why do we not see that representation? And again, we go back to like key of representation and having those folks in leadership roles. And I think that to me has been something that has been very uplifting to see Julian to see Andres because I worked with them and for them to get that award it kind of brings tears to my eyes because it's like yes we needed people in our community that have been here for years to be leaders and to step up and they're doing that and so you know I can only be proud and happy where we're at in that point. Garcia Corcio notes she hopes to be a role model for anyone who doesn't see themselves in organizations, governments, or the majority of the community. Paving the way and being recognized that based on my identities, being undocumented, being a DACA recipient, being a Latina, being a Mexican, that what I look like, I'm kind of doing a pathway for kids that look like me to be able to do that, to be able to have their voice and be like, oh, if Gloria, Domi, Claudia, Jimena, Julia, Andres can do it and work in these professional spaces, I can too. So for me, it's been huge to kind of ha- be a role model in the community and show, because I didn't have that growing up in Texas. I think for me, that's been really huge to see that and the impact I'm making in youth. In a news release, Jason Corzine, president and CEO of the Telluride Foundation, notes, The award was created to, quote, honor individuals who unselfishly make extraordinary contributions to the region's quality of life. The Telluride Foundation will hold a community celebration on Tuesday, October 11th at the Transfer Warehouse from 4 to 6 p.m. The event will be bilingual and the entire community is encouraged to attend. COVID-19 hit in March 2020. And one thing became painfully clear. People of color in the United States were suffering from systemically substandard health care. I specifically um, will be bringing the perspective of a nurse, um, you know, during the pandemic, which definitely affected marginalized communities, uh, you know, at a disproportionate rate. So I did a lot of um 
outreach for our immigrant population and tried to communicate when there was minimal communication happening very early on in the pandemic. So the perspective I'm bringing is just someone who's very aware of the health disparities that occur due to um, lack of access to the same resources um, in medicine. That's Jimena Rebollero Leon, a nurse at the Telluride Regional Medical Center and activist for the Latinx community in Telluride. This week, Rebollero Leon will be speaking as part of a film screening and panel discussion called The Color of Care, an Oprah Winfrey documentary examining how people of color experience the healthcare system and how the COVID pandemic highlighted inequity in that system. The event is a collaboration between the Pinhead Institute, Telluride Regional Medical Center, and the Wilkinson Public Library. Rebollero Leon says she hopes the discussion not only brings awareness to the inequities in healthcare, but also takes the conversation beyond discussion. And my biggest hope is that people in power, just their eyes are open and they want to take action. Because I think it's one, you know, lots of people say, oh my gosh, this is horrible, how tragic. I can't believe this happens in the United States. And they leave and that's the beginning and end of what they do. So hopefully this creates a conversation that's then followed by measurable action and it creates change in this extremely broken system. She also wants those who are impacted by the healthcare system to feel seen. Those who are affected by this, I think it's really important that you see that there are folks out there who know that this is happening and who are interested in creating change to fix this situation. So I think it's important by those that have suffered health disparities due to the color of their skin to know we see you and believe me, I am fighting for you and so should everybody else. And she wants people to remember there is a way forward when it comes to making change. These are problems that have existed for a really long time, but just because they've been present for a long time doesn't mean they can't be fixed, but it does take small steps to move towards a greater goal. And I think it's really important to be... um, to be willing to work towards progress instead of getting caught up with inaction because everyone's wrapped up with the perfect solution. So just making small steps does lead to eventual change, and I think all of us can help take those steps. Rebollero Leon will be joined by Dr. Jihan Elbayumi, the founding director of the Rodham Institute in Washington, D.C., a teacher at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences and the G.W. Milken Institute School of Public Health. The Color of Care film screening and discussion will take place at the library on Tuesday, October 11th from 6 to 9 p.m. With the mountains in full autumnal majesty, the hills really do appear to be alive with the sound of music. And in just over one week's time, so will the Sheridan Opera House. In the second ever Not So Young People's Theater production, director Leah Heidenreich is bringing the family favorite musical, The Sound of Music, to the stage. The play follows a somewhat unsuccessful nun-to-be Maria as she leaves her spot at the convent to become governess to seven mischievous but delightful children. There is love, there's singing, there's billy goats, all against the backdrop of early World War II Austria. Featuring a stellar cast ranging from young to not-so-young, 
The Sound of Music will grace the Sheridan Opera House stage Thursday, October 20th through Sunday, October 23rd. Tickets are available at SheridanOperaHouse.com. A Nebraska man who sent threats to Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold has been sentenced to 18 months in prison. Travis Ford pled guilty earlier this year to threatening Griswold over social media. Prosecutors said Ford sent a series of threats over Instagram in August of 2021. It's one of the first cases brought by a federal task force meant to protect election workers. Threats against them nationwide have been steadily increasing. Griswold has reportedly received thousands of threats over her assertion that the 2020 election was secure. Bears are fattening up for their winter hibernation. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Shelley Schlender and Ruth Carol Cushman venture into Bear Canyon on the lookout for signs of bear and brings us this Nature Almanac report. And it's beautiful early morning light. The flat irons look almost translucent with that first blush of rose. Appropriately enough, we're in Bear Canyon hoping to find a bear. Oh my goodness, there's a hummingbird right overhead. Ah, well if we don't find a bear, at least we have a hummingbird and it seems a little bit light in the year for them. Oh my goodness, there's a big mound of poop here. But you know, I really think that's raccoon poop, not bear. It doesn't look quite big and um, splatty enough for a bear, but it's full of seeds. So it's a sign that some animal has been feasting around here. And yeah, that's one reason you can know that bears are around if you see their poop, which is usually kind of a big, um, like a platter of poop. (laughs) Two weeks ago, I was coming down the Saddle Rock Trail And there was a bear coming up the trail. I was thrilled, but I didn't really want to meet him in a narrow little canyon, so I crossed it on the other side of the creek, and he just moseyed on up uh, his side of the creek. If you do encounter a bear, of all things, don't run from it. Just try to slowly walk away, unless the bear started coming to me. And then I would definitely try to look big and yell and scream and wave my arms. Oh, and a big flock of magpies just flew over. They eat everything and anything, uh, and they're omnivorous. And bears also are omnivorous. They eat the fruit, including very tiny blueberries, apples. They will eat almost anything, including, if they catch them, probably small mammals. But they're unlikely to eat a person. Ruth Carol Cushman is a Boulder naturalist and the co-author of the Colorado Nature Almanac and Boulder Hiking Trails. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 35 degrees. Tuesday should be sunny with a high in the mid-50s. Tuesday night expect mostly clear skies with a low in the mid-30s. Wednesday should be sunny during the day and clear at night with a high near 60 degrees and a low around 40. This has been the news for Monday, October 10th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.